Hey, Julia. Hey, Sam. Who are we talking to today? We are talking to Ali Benino. She is an actress. She is a baker. And she was a saver of days when I first met her in 2009. Well, I'd sure like to hear more about that. Guess what, Sam? You can. <laughs> Just keep listening. audience votes at intermission who dies and if Sam or I die you're now a co-host of this podcast did we just stumble upon brilliance I think Mace did Sam's we? not into it, not into it. <laughs> <laughs> he's not super into it that's okay I love mm-hmm. audience You'll participation around. stuff though I really do do you I do have and you ever written a show with, with audience participation I don't like where people in the audience have to be on the spot like I don't like clapping yeah. along or singing along or having uh-huh. to stand up and interact but I really like like agency and voting and like like interact. choose your own adventure yeah like, see okay. I'm so skeptical I always wonder if it actually happens or if like the votes are cast oh but, yeah like, huh are they but I mean like some shows are like, it's clear that they are. Like, Drood, for example. How do we know? Because it's different every time. Who decides it, though? Oh, you're saying, like, it may not be the actual votes in that actual audience that Just decides saying. that day's combination? Just saying. But if it were purely random, because, like, I know that, like, in the recent Broadway production of Drood, like, there were some combinations that ended up coming up a lot. Um, and if, But if it were purely random, that wouldn't have happened, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hmm. We have some questions, Mr. and Mrs. Broadway. <laughs> some questions for you. I recently wrote an application for a grant that I did not receive where I was trying to pitch like a choose your own adventure, like sort of song or mini musical. I love that. I'm so into it. I love that. A choose your own adventure song? Yeah, like it, like a song, like like maybe a, like a short form, like fifteen or twenty minute thing, where like there'd be little songlets that are like one minute. Gotcha. I thought you meant like within a song, you'd say like, and now we go here, but like the song's still going, so like, ooh, <laughs> like I was just trying to picture that, but I, That's but that a makes a lot more sense. That you oh, thank you. The I listeners at home can't see it. When the shoulders <laughs> get into it, yeah. that was like, do you remember that thing we did? Was it at the triad? Like the five years ago, the game show thing. Yeah, do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. Was that. Insanity. Tune in time. Yes. That oh, was that's so funny. I did tune in time with Gordon. Yeah. Did you oh, really? Yeah. There we go. We took our two muses to tune <laughs> in time separately. There <laughs> it is. Do they still do that? I think. Actually, I'm ours was sure. a while ago. It was years ago at this point. Wasn't that M? Was Emily McNamara doing that? Was she the host? Yeah, she hosted she it when host. I did it. I haven't seen anything about that in a while, but that was a fun. That was a fun night. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, I like competitions too. I sometimes think that if there was like a reality show about writing musicals, I couldn't not try it, even though I know I'd like be portrayed as. I I I feel like I know the annoying character I'd be pigeonholed into portraying, no. and I would feel sad about it. No, but I would want to like go combine my loves of competition and writing. Like, oh. I can't. I'm not interested in reality shows. No. No. Because of because my fear of my fear is your fear, but my fear is probably like a thousandfold if you're like okay with it. Because I'm not uh-huh, okay uh-huh. with like someone taking raw footage of me and like creating me into this other character. Oh yeah, like totally manipulating it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know how producers of reality TV shows sleep at night. There, <laughs> it's a different level of crazy. Like you just have to put people in these awful situations, and I don't know. I mean, 
can I watch it? So I'm really part of the problem. I'm just part of what perpetuates it all. It's but. funny, though, because I was watching, um, I was recently watching, it was basically like a Great British Baking Show knockoff. Because I love the British Baking Show so much. Because perfect. Because everyone is so lovely They're and so supportive. Lovely, and um, even the, like, the judges' criticisms is like, from a place of love constructive and like maybe you missed the mark on this one but like you're still wonderful and like this one it was like the the way that they edited it together was just um they they the competitors all had these personalities that like became like their or you their whole thing it wasn't their actual personality but these like you know one word descriptors that became uh-huh. their whole personality yep. there's one guy who just like basically every time they cut to one of his confessionals he was just saying something nasty about someone else yeah it's and then like, the woman who is like she came back from a terrible illness but like that's all she ever talked about that yeah. was like all her it was like all redemption story it was like you're making cream puffs just make the cream puffs <laughs> yeah. so oh. i want to transition this Let's into transition. a question that i had for Ali Vanino. okay so you have a career as an actress, mm-hmm. and you also have a career in like small business, like baking. I do, and yes. just what that <laughs> it's. I feel like it's so rare to have these two really distinct passion projects, both difficult, not yeah. with like a ton of overlap that I see. No, no overlap, <laughs> and which there were. <laughs> do you feel like it takes like twice as much, like? endurance and stamina to keep these two things afloat or do they fuel each other yeah um I mean I like downtime isn't really a thing that I have but I feel like that's true for a lot of people in any kind of artistic field um yeah I don't know I uh I've always loved cooking and baking and uh, my company kind sugar just kind of happened out of nowhere in a really wonderful way and it's still very young we're figuring a lot of stuff out but it's going really well and I've been very lucky that I've been able to do the two at the same time but yeah it's it's a little crazy this past week in particular we um it's, it's a vegan cake company and we were asked to be at a vegan expo yesterday and I have been in rehearsal this past week for two separate readings on top of work and yesterday when we had the expo I had a work thing and then I had to go to rehearsal after so it was like the first time that I couldn't be at something for the baking company but my business partner Tanya who's also a neighbor and a dear friend was able to go and it was fine but um yeah so there are definitely moments where it's like you have to figure out how to prioritize and what comes first but like I said I've been lucky enough that it's kind of worked itself out so far. Yesterday was the first time that I was like, oh man, if I could only be in two places at once, that would be fantastic. But it's been great. Yeah, it's good. Do you feel like, did it change your like sense of identity when you like brought on this whole other thing? No, anything, I think it like solidified my identity. (laughs) Like every time I'm in rehearsal for something, I'm always bringing food or I'm baking something for people this is true yeah so now it's just kind of like uh I'll bring something and they'll be like wow you should do this and I'm like I do which is fun (laughs) um so yeah I don't know I think it's yeah I, I think it's kind of rounded out me and it's nice to I mean this business is insane like musical theater and just theater in general that whole artistic life is insane and 
baking for me has always been my way to decompress and de-stress. And I know you would probably think that as a business that would change, but like it's just really fun to get in the kitchen and whip stuff up and I'm in charge of all of the research and development. So it's like I spend my free time cooking and baking and trying out new recipes and it's like the the best way to decompress also is helping grow my little baby business. So it kinda works out. That's so cool. Like yeah. do you, do you do you like envision it as like um like a instead of like a, a side career, like a survival job, do you envision mm-hmm. it as like a parallel career to theater and I think so. Like keeping them both like yeah. sort of I think so because they because they are so different, they're not really competing with one another. Yeah. And Tanya, my business partner, she's so wonderful. And we really do split the responsibilities kind of down the middle, um, which is just great. And we get each other and it's been a very easy partnership. So having her there helps. And um, I mean, it's it's weird because we're at this like kind of in-between step right now where we're still kind of small, but some exciting things are happening and like we may in a couple of months be like in a different place and it's a good place that we're heading to. So it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time of growth. Mm. Yeah. It's been a real learning curve, but in a great way, I think. Yeah. Cake. 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 Chocolate cake. It's delicious. So you mentioned there was a food expo while you were doing two readings Mm -hmm. at once. Are these both new things? Mm -hmm. They are both new things. Um, one is a, a new show that my very dear friend Sabina Petra wrote about Geraldine Cobb, who was she was one of the first women who was training to become an astronaut oh, cool. in the 50s. And then, of course, because women in the 50s were like told to get back in the kitchen, she was told that she couldn't go to space, even though she was overqualified and beat out the male astronauts who were training. Um, I think I saw a play about this. Yes, yes. They promised her the moon? Yes. Yeah, my so, friend Amanda was in that play. Yeah, yeah, so Sabina saw that play, and she's also been fascinated with Geraldine for a while. And she's such a – her brain is just fascinating, and she writes such beautiful music. Um, she just kind of sat down one day and, like, wrote a musical. And she <laughs> – I was on my honeymoon, and I got this Dropbox, and she's like, hey, so I wrote this thing. Um – yeah, it's done. Here it is. Wow. And it was like she just she just sat down one day and wrote a musical. She heard in her head and wrote a musical. Um, so we're doing that in March, and then the second one um, it's called Medusa. It's a retelling of the Medusa myth, um, and it's very relevant. It's um, I feel like I'm not gonna explain it properly, but I guess the actual myth of how she was. Because you had the I was you say, had the yeah. musical. Yeah. I've got got four Medusa songs. Yes, <laughs> yes. So this was um they wrote it. Um it's Wes Braver and Rachel Dean. And they did um it was their NYU thesis, I think, last oh, year. Oh, I know the show you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um and they wrote it when the whole Brock Turner situation was mm-hmm. going on. Um and it's extraordinarily topical. And it's just all about strong women and how when something bad happens to a woman, it can get manipulated and twisted and the ramifications of that and the social 
the social injustices of everything, but it's set with the backdrop of Greek mythology, and it's it's so good. It's wow. so good. It was a really fast and dirty process, though. We we're uh, presenting tomorrow and Tuesday. I wish we had more time because it's mm. so good. Both projects you mentioned talking about like what it means to be a woman in society. Yeah. Um, and then the Shana's musical coming up um, at the public is is about the suffragette movement. So it's like wow. Yeah. Is that? I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? To like, do you often find that you're, and and it sounds like they're all being very smart and. Um, uh, just like, you know, bringing a bringing a perspective that you don't often find in in the media. Like, do yeah. you do you find that you often get to work on projects like that, or is this like a just sort of like a blessing? I mean, this f- for sure is a blessing. This kind of trifecta all happening within a month of itself is really really special. But I don't know, like um, the Columbine. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, that so Reb, yes, like that piece was incredible. And even even the Magnificent Seven, like it's all, I've I've been very lucky to work on new pieces that really have something to say in a very smart and sophisticated way, where it's not just the writers lashing out at what's happening; they're approaching it in a very smart way that makes you take a step back and really kind of evaluate what's going on. Um, and with Mercury and Medusa, I haven't seen the the stuff for Shana's piece yet, but it's all of the characters are so relatable. You can relate to someone in that piece. It, like it's someone, one of the characters, you can identify with that. And that's just so cool to me that we're seeing theater that's a real reflection of what's happening now and commenting on it in a way that people feel like it's okay to talk about these things and to hopefully inspire change from it. It's a very exciting time. It's a very exciting time. So I think of you as someone who I associate very strongly with new work. Mm. And (laughs) it makes sense because you, you are capable of doing anything and you learn so quickly and you bring so much to the table. (laughs) I'm curious, did you, from what point did you, if you did see yourself as I'm going to be a new work person or did oh, you just God. sort of fall into it? I think I just sort of fell into it. Um, honestly, you are the reason. That, seriously, you <laughs> truly are. You really are the reason that I have done much of the new work that I've done because of meeting you when I was in college and just kind of being thrown into that world. Can we tell the story of how I met Ali? Well, the origin story? Please. The origin story. Yeah. You, so, tell, you tell it from your end. Okay. And then you, you like, <laughs> tap in. Sure. So I was doing one of the first cabarets I'd ever done. I was, like, a year and a, a year or so out of grad school. Nine years ago. Nine years ago. Jesus. <laughs> Terrifying. Ugh, it's okay. We're and fine. so I was, like, doing a cabaret felt like this huge deal. And, you know, I put all of my own, like, money into it. And I'd invited all the people I knew. And... I was just so excited. You know, I'd had, like, a band for one of the first times ever playing my stuff. And we had this song, the first song Gordon and I had written from this new musical we were just starting, Pregnancy Pact. Yes. And <laughs> it was a song, and the wonderful Katrina Rose Diedrichson was going to sing it. And, you know, we built it. It had a lot of, like, belted Fs and a lot of, like, weird melismas. It was difficult to sing. And it was our 11 o'clock number in the concert. We were so excited for it. 
and we get an email from Katrina that morning saying she was really sick. There's no way she could do it. And we just like panicked because we felt like it was the best song in the show. And I just like didn't know what to do. I didn't know that many people in the world at that point. And so our music director, Rich Silverstein, emailed someone he knew at Pace being like, hey, do you know, do you just happen to know anyone who's free in eight hours who can belt a lot of Fs and learn a song instantly? And luckily, Amy <laughs> referred Allie to us. So Allie came in. We met at, like, 6.30. Yeah. I taught her the song. And then she proceeded to sit through the whole concert, <laughs> hearing all the other songs, and then just, like, got up on stage and nailed the song. It was crazy. Song. Oh, it was my crazy, God. Yeah. Wait, and the song was Love Me Better, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It was crazy. And that was the first time that song was ever sung. Wow. Oh, I didn't know it was the first time it was ever sung. Yeah. No pressure. I'm so glad you didn't tell me that at the <gasps> time. You didn't know you didn't tell me that. This is the first time hearing about that. No, that's great to know now, but at the time <laughs> that would freak me out. Yeah. I was early to class. I was like twenty minutes early to Amy's class and she was in her office and she's like, Hey, you learn music pretty quickly, right? Come come here and like just like take a look at this. And I didn't have to go to class. I spent the class in her office. <laughs> and I was like, because Rich sent a MIDI and then he sent the music. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, this is really catchy. And it was at the Lori Beachman, mm-hmm. which I'd never been to before, but I was like 19. And it was this like like off-Broadway thing on 42nd <laughs> Street, a basement on a restaurant on 42nd Street. I thought it was the <sighs> coolest thing. And yeah, it was like the second to last song. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I ever told you this. In the applause of the other songs, I would hold up my phone and listen to the recording just so I could be like, how does that part go? So, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. It was crazy. But that was like, that was the first time I'd ever been in a situation like that, and it felt really fun. It was just very exciting to like sing a song that was new from a new work and pace. also has an amazing program there with the Pace New Works program. Um, So from my sophomore year through my senior year, every winter break, we did a new show. So we kind of got a little bit of training for that there, but I don't know. I just love, I love doing it. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. But was that concert like sort of like your first thing like outside of school? Yeah. 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 I was a sophomore. Uh-huh. That God, I feel insane. so lucky that we got in when we did. Man. Well, it's time. crazy because, like, I know that the two of you have had this, like, long, fruitful collaboration. And it's just, like, it's crazy to hear that it just came from sort of this random chance encounter. Someone yeah. being sick, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I, totally I sort random. of, like, totally believe that you two would have found each other anyway. I, I think so, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. We're two unicorn spirits connected. It's crazy because actually, I think my first exposure to both of you was hearing Allie sing that song again at one of those Lincoln Center concerts. Didn't you? Did you do did that? Lincoln you we know did the a ones. Bunch at Ars Nova. The ones yeah. in the in the under the library. I don't know if we ever did that. We did. I'm pretty sure because I, I remember know. sitting there. I'm not. I'm not sure you were there. I think it might have been just Gordon was there. Oh wait, huh. was Christina also there? Possibly. Maybe. But, but I remember hearing that song sung by Ali Benino, <laughs> and just being like, and and not knowing who you were or anything about um, pregnancy pact, and just being like, 
what is happening? <laughs> no, it's a good song. It's Aww. a it's a better than good song. But it's it's oh, also it's so why I, I was like personally starstruck the first time I met both of you. Anyway. Very starry. Anyway, Stop it. I mean, so bunch of goofs. So you just sort of got introduced into this world, but um, was was that like on your radar before then, or not? Not really. I I knew that new work was happening, um, but I I didn't really know how to get involved with it. Really, yeah. Um, it's really because it's because of you. It's because of Amy Rogers at Pace. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy referred me to a couple people too Um, and then meeting you I got to Julia I worked with other other new composers and then um, in the last couple years it's been the NYU graduate musical theater writing Mm -hmm. thesis program that's been like that is such a godsend it's a it's a 29 hour reading it's four days and you're working on these new pieces and they're, they've all been so stupidly good. Yeah. That's awesome. So stupidly good. And I keep waiting for one of them to like, oh, they're all so good. Um, I wonder if they're getting, I'm thinking like if it's actually true that like the average of like pieces that come out of theses are getting better, if that's a function of something like changing the way they're teaching or if people I are knowing know. more going in. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But the, the last the last like three years, the pieces I've worked on, I've they've been in such good shape. That's so in great. In such good shape. And it's very exciting. And, you know, the other, the, the classes below them come and see that. Mm-hmm. So if you're up there performing and they like what you do, they'll call you in for next year. If right. they're doing another concert or a cabaret or something, they'll call you in. So it's just this kind of revolving door of collaboration and exposure. And I feel so incredibly grateful to be a part of it because it's all very it's all very exciting and it's like watching a musical or any new work at its very infancy it's just it's so alive and everyone involved is so excited and it's before like all the the hardships and heartbreak (laughs) comes along with everything but it's just a very exciting time and it's also I take it very seriously because a lot of times it's the first time that writers are hearing their work yeah. done for real, not in like a practice room at NYU, which is <laughs> so, so tiny. Um, so it's a, it's a very big responsibility, and I'm just honored to get to work on as many as I do. It's, yeah, it's not wasted on me how cool an opportunity it is. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, they're great. I love them. New work is so important. Yeah. It's so important. Especially now, there's so much to say now. There's so much to say. Truly. So many different things. <laughs> All of the things. Let's commit them to music. <laughs> great. I remember emailing with Sarah Cooper right around after the election, and it was me and Sarah and Amy on a thread, and we were talking about, like, should we, like, write a protest song? <laughs> we never did, but we were thinking for a second of, like, can we write something that you could, like, sing while marching? Oh, my God. I feel like all of Elevator Heart is a big protest song. That whole piece is a protest song. I like that. I love that piece. You write good stuff. (laughs) Just saying. So sort of related. Sorry, you were about to say something. No, go for it. (laughs) You sure? Yeah. Okay. Sort of related to our origin story and Love Me Better and being like, oh my God, who on this earth can sing this song, period? (laughs) We were talking earlier about like, difficult material and how some people 
can really do difficult material, both in terms of like musically difficult and range-wise difficult and getting different like tone colors. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you have a very <laughs> wide range of. I'm curious your thoughts about like material difficulty and the blessings and curses oh, yeah. of that. I love it. I, I love it. Um, the meatier of pieces, uh, the more you just get to sink your teeth into it, really. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's you. I feel like sometimes you can tell when a song is written and they're trying to make it difficult. Mm -hmm. That can be a little frustrating when mm -hmm. you're like, does we really need all of this going on? But like, <laughs> when you get those songs like Love Me Better or... Um, guess that's it, guess that's it. Like, <laughs> stuff like that where it's just, like, everything clicks, and it just makes what we do on our end very, very easy because you guys have just written a piece that works so well. But um, I like that difficulty rooted in some sort of character thing yeah. or story yes. thing. Or yes, exactly. Not, like, high notes for high notes' sake. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, and, and on a performing aspect, the performing side of it, like, you know, you don't have to riff for Jesus just because <laughs> you can like you know it's sometimes sustaining an F for 16 counts is more thrilling than if you were to do all kinds of gymnastics around it you know so it's just I don't know I think I think from from my end of it it's important to understand why the song is written and why it's happening at that moment in the show and then from there it's just it's really just locking into it and you just have to fully commit it's like you just have to you have to like throw your hands up and be like I'm giving into this I'm giving over to it and then it usually works out it usually works out once or twice maybe it hasn't but <laughs> I've never seen a time where it did not work out for you there was one time it was at summer camp don't worry about it we won't <laughs> we won't get I sort of want to hear the story now no it's okay it was a dark time it's so funny because I feel like the question you that just led to this conversation was like a much better worded version of the question that I was thinking about asking <gasps> Allie, which is just like, <laughs> what is it like to have such an insanely versatile voice? <laughs> because like, oh I just feel like every time I hear you sing, I'm just like, how is she doing that? And it's like all different styles, all different <sighs> everything, all the time. Like, do you, do you, what, do you think about this? Or do you just sort of like, <laughs> this is your normal, so it's like... I, I feel like it's I'm gonna be such a douche saying this. It just this is kinda, what we're here for. It just kind of happens. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate growing up to be exposed to pretty much every different style of music. Um, so I've I've been rocking out to a lot of different types and styles and sounds since I was very tiny. Um, it's just fun. I don't know. I, I enjoy I enjoy being able to do more than one thing, yeah. but I don't know how I don't know how it happens. Yeah, well, because I, I was gonna say like <laughs> it's all well and good that you enjoy a bunch of different styles, but like <laughs> so do a lot of people, but they can't perform all of them I, yeah. so well. I don't. I I truly I don't know. I don't know how or where it comes from. I really don't. It just happens, and I feel like that's the douchiest thing anyone no, could I ever mean, like, possibly say. I really don't know where it comes from. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that because I was hoping you could like point me <laughs> the towards the spring the truth that is, I have to yes, drink from. There's, and a, <laughs> there's a robin's egg in the nest. No, I've No, I think it really just goes over back to what I was saying about fully committing to it. Yeah. 
you, if you're if you're not sure about it or you're hesitant, it'll never be as good as if you're just like, I'm doing this and it's going to happen. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. Is that something you've always felt that you've been able to like fully commit to things? Or has yeah. that been... Yeah, for the most part. Um, performing and baking are the two areas in my life where I'm like very secure in what I yeah. very secure and when I do the rest of my life I'm running around like a chicken on fire but, um, <laughs> on fire okay on fire not even with it the head still down. has its head but it it's still on has fire its head, but she's on fire <laughs> Aww, um, chicken. but like when I'm on stage everything it makes sense to me mm-hmm. I can understand it I know how to approach it and I I don't know if that's training I don't know if it's technique it's probably a mixture of all that sprinkled in with a little bit of luck and divine intervention in whatever form that means. But it's just, it's always ma- I've always felt very safe there. So I, I think when that. you feel safe in something, you you allow yourself more freedom, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, which sounds crazy because I'm sure a lot of people would not feel like this business is a safe place to mm. be. But if if you're doing it for the right reasons because your heart is in it, it should feel like a safe and sacred place. And from there, it just happens. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just, <laughs> I mean, like, it makes perfect sense. I just, um, it took me a very long time to feel very comfortable on stage. And I'm yeah. still working through mm-hmm. that, um, depending on what's going on. Sure. But yeah. uh, it's... Uh, it makes sense to me that you say you've always sort of felt comfortable because I like see that in you yeah. when you're performing. Which is so weird because I'm such a doofus in real life. <laughs> like I feel like if you were to say that about me in real life, someone would be like, are you talking about the same person? <laughs> but it just makes, it makes sense to me. It, I don't know. It makes sense. Yeah. No, I think you seem comfortable in life too. Do I? Yeah. Oh, oh I do too. God. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I think there's a definite, once you've, once you've been in this city as long as I have, there's a definite point where you just kind of stop caring a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> right, but that's sort of when you sort of come into your own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's well, been a really say. interesting couple of months coming, yeah. coming into that, yeah. Like, you definitely seem thoughtful but comfortable. Yeah, sure. It's my new memoir. Thoughtful, <laughs> but, thoughtful comfortable. but comfortable. <laughs> the Ali <Benino> story. <laughs> well, I always, I had a joke in uh, college that my, my memoir would be Ali Benino, not quite a coupe, because I'm a terrible dancer. So ah. like sickled feet and everything. Wait, what's a coupe? Is that a dance? I wish I could show you properly, but it's where like your ankle, no, it's where like your, you like point your foot and make your foot look pretty, and it's like by your ankle. But like I could never do it without looking like a, a disaster. <laughs> Just a disaster. <laughs> but that's okay. I don't need to coupe. Not, not yeah. today. Who needs a coupe? No one here. <laughs> That's for dang sure. <laughs> I can't decide what I think a coupe sounds like. I think it sounds like a mammal in Australia, like a capybara or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the cousin of the capybara, the coupe. Yeah. It's a capybara that wears a toupee. Aww. Oh, a yeah. coupe. A capybara just <laughs> bending to social norms. Yes. Because <laughs> oh, they couldn't grow a mustache. So they had to wear a toupee. For the listeners at home, Allie's referencing the mustache that's currently on it's my face. Sensational. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad it. you feel that way. I do. The picture uh, for this podcast should just be a close-up <gasps> of your mustache. <laughs> We've considered it. 
<laughs> Have you really? No. Come on. We're considering it now for sure. Thank you. I think it should be in the mix. I think um, I'm kind of curious. I mean, since you say you sort of fell into this sort of new world work, but you also love it. Like, is are uh, how 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 much do you want to be doing, you know, older shows, or how much do you mm. want to be doing other facets of the business, and yeah. how much? That's an excellent question, Sam. Mm. Um, I I do. I absolutely do. Um, I'm also for fully aware that I'm a very specific type. Mm. Um, my body and my voice have never really matched up. Um, and like the, the types of roles that people think I'm right for are truly not like who I am as a performer. Like people always see me as like the funny, the funny character actress, which is, you know, makes sense because I'm tall, I'm thicker. Um, also you're, you're very, very funny. funny. I, yeah, but like <laughs> that's, I see, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't necessarily see myself as like the, as that of course. type. Yeah. Um, but thank you. <laughs> um, so it's exciting doing new work because you kind of get to become the mold and yeah. you get to kind of cross the boundary of what type is or what what this character should or shouldn't be. Um, but there are definitely, definitely roles that I would love to tackle that exist today. Um, and I think it's also an exciting time too because we're slowly seeing a shift in these norms that people have kind of put on the American audience. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a question of people taking a chance on someone who doesn't necessarily look like what, insert this leading lady character mm. would be. Um, so it's exciting. It's also a little frustrating, um, but definitely new works are it's great because you as they say in title of show you are the mold yeah so that's there's fun. no one who came before you that no like anyone you. has in their head like oh well she's not a whole lot like this person you yeah. get to sort of create that yeah and like even with the the revivals that are happening now like carousel like Lindsay mendez is going to be carrie mm -hmm. that's crazy and i'm so excited to see that um and even um Jesse Mueller as as Julie. That's mm -hmm. like not necessarily what you would think of. Um, so stuff is shifting. Stuff is happening. It's just difficult when all of those archetypes have existed for so right. long. Well, since you brought up type, I'm I'm really curious. Like, I'm really curious. Like your relationship with the concept of type. Mm. How long do we have? <laughs> we've, got plenty, we've got as much time as you need. How long do we have? Um, I, yeah, I, I am a firm believer in someone's brand as opposed to their type. Okay. Ooh. Can I you feel sort like, of unpack that? I would love to unpack that. <laughs> I feel like someone's brand is what their essence is, mm. who they are at their core, which I think is what people go to theater to see anyway. I don't care how pretty you are. If I'm looking at you and you have dead eyes and there's nothing coming from within, I don't, I'm not invested, I don't care. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the type, what we think of as type, is strictly based on appearance. Sure. 
which is so interesting to me because a type can be so fluid. Yeah. Like you could have blonde hair one month and then dye your hair purple and pink the next month and suddenly you're like a punk rocker chick. Right. You know, and there are some people who do it so well whose type is just very fluid and they have like, there's this one, this one girl that I see at auditions all the time. And if you didn't know that it was her, you wouldn't know that it's the same person mm-hmm. because of her wardrobe. And she's just so smart about how she dresses and how she presents herself based on what she's going for. And like my big thing is like, I'm going to wear darker eye makeup today and that's going to change what I look like. <laughs> like there's just some people who do it very well. But for me, I think... It should be more about the brand, more about mm-hmm. what you're bringing on an internal side. Because that's what's interesting to me yeah. as a performer. But again, that's just my my thought about it. So it's more about your essence. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But does your, I guess I'm curious, like, for, like, I know that a lot of actors feel very limited by the concept of type. And actually the way that you describe um the the brand and the essence i feel like a lot of people could use that and and be limited by that too like if it's like oh sure. well you walk into a room and you have a very bubbly vibe so i wouldn't cast you as like you know someone who's in a vulnerable state or whatever like do, sure. like um how how big can a brand be you know what i mean like or like are you interested in like working on material outside of your brand or like oh i would love to yeah like i think rebin vodka was a pretty that was a bit of a stretch yeah for, for my i was brand. actually i was specifically yeah. thinking about you in that part totally but it was so thrilling because i th- if you were like what i think my brand is i'm like i'm a quirky goofball who can destroy you emotionally mm. like that's like what i would think i am bringing to the table so you're gonna like the roles that i've done like i feel like um rose and dogfight mm-hmm. kind of really mm-hmm, tick mm-hmm. that box um but then we have our girl in rub and vodka which is so dark and delicious and similar similar to how type can be fluid i think when you're dealing more in brand as long as it's a true feeling and it's coming from a place of truth and realness, it can be a little more fluid and, and you're not so bogged down with like, and I also think it's, it's like when you say that someone's bubbly, there's more to them than just of course, bubbly. Yeah. And you call them bubbly because in a sense, they're lacking traits that would otherwise make them not bubbly. Uh-huh. But that doesn't mean that they can't access those right. in a way that type if you're looking at a blonde and a brunette, right. the brunette might be super bubbly, but you're going to go to the blonde because that's that classic Glinda, girl next door, bubbly look that you're going for. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. Okay. It's interesting thinking about Our Girl because we've seen three people ever do Our Girl material. And we have talked about, especially because of the way that show is written, where purposefully the character tracks don't come with like a million specific hooks about exactly who this person has to be Mm. that like it's sort of a totally different show you know like depending on who is playing our girl totally and what that person's essence and vibe is totally yeah which i think is so exciting which I think is so exciting. And I mean, it's your piece. So you, if you, you don't like that, you're allowed <laughs> no, to. No, no, I do. I'm totally allowed to say that. 
But um, that's what excites me. That's what excites me about theater is that no two people are the same. So with replacements, it's like it's it's tricky because yeah. I I just did a a reading a couple months ago where I took over for a role that had been previously a friend of mine had been doing it and they kept saying you know could you just try doing it like the way she would do it uh, and it was just a little huh. it, it wasn't bad or anything I knew what they were I knew what they were asking of me but it's like people are we're different people yeah yeah different people and I think it's interesting to see other people's experiences and take on it but that I don't know it could just be me I guess what I'm I, okay, so I'm remembering uh, a reading that I saw you do at the Musical Theater Factory years ago mm-hmm. where I don't think you even sang in it. You just sort of had this, like, devastating scene where you just, like, it was the one where... Miles and me? Yeah. Yeah. Where um, they showed up and they found you, right? Yeah. And you just were, like, heartbreaking and wonderful and... Oh God, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, I, I what I'm curious about is like, okay, so this is sort of separate from my conversation about type and brand, but sort of similar. Mm-hmm. But like, do you ever feel like you do like because every time I see you do anything, you, you have such a specific, um, like a um, a very um, you're just like you're you just like laser in on who this person is and you play a very specific person. And I wonder if you've ever felt like people see you do one thing and don't think you can do something else because you're so Mm -hmm. good at the thing that you're doing there. I dig dig what you're saying. Um, Yeah, yeah, yes and no. Um, I mean like that character was very similar to Rose was very similar to a couple other readings I've done. Um, Because being like the goofball who can like break your heart, it's a very specific kind of tone. Mm -hmm. But, um, and it's actually kind of happening with the Medusa musical too. The character is kind of like, she's a goofball, but there's that one moment where it's like, and it just like sinks and gets you in your gut. Um, But again, it's like playing off of that. It's having the light against the dark and, when to connect to the dark and then how that affects the light. It's all about the yin and the yang, Hmm. I think maybe. Oh yeah, totally. I guess I'm just one, I'm thinking about you, but I'm also thinking about myself (laughs) (laughs) because like, I I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I've often, yeah. Yeah. yeah, In terms of the way that we approach doing these types of things, Mm -hmm. because I often feel like I'm doing a piece and I feel I get a lot of positive feedback mm-hmm. about it from the people I'm working with, from people who have seen it, saying you're so wonderful in this role. And then oftentimes I won't hear from them if they're working on something else. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, I think I would be good for a part in that thing that they're working on. And they seem to like me. They yeah. they gave me positive feedback, but then I don't hear from them. And then I start to wonder if it's because... I made myself 
so much like this character that they can't see me as anything else. Does this? I have a this probably sounds really douchey. Like no, I'm too no. good to be. They, <laughs> no, they think I'm real. too good. I have a side <laughs> question based on this because I've heard you say this phrase a couple times. Hmm. Of this is a role I think I'd be really good for. Uh-huh. What is it about a role that makes you think this is a role that would be good for me that I would be good in? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think there's. There sh- for me, please chip in whenever whenever <laughs> you want. But for me, there's sort of two different things where it's like one is like I just strongly identify with it as mm-hmm. I'm as I'm reading the script or or watching a production or something, and the other is like, oh, I know I can like like I tick off those boxes in terms of brand or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. um, like like that's a thing where like my particular set of talents is well suited. Mm-hmm. Um, those are how I think about it. Yeah, I think me too. Especially if you get to see the piece or see it or read it. It's that moment of like, oh yeah, that would make a lot of sense for me to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I find like if I'm reading something or seeing something and I can like see myself in it, I'll like, I can, I can have a very clear vision of mm-hmm. it and yeah. it just gets me very excited mm-hmm. in an interesting way. Yeah. I don't think I have a corollary. Like, I guess sometimes there's like source material where I'm like, oh yeah, that's my kind of story. Oh yeah, yeah. In terms of like what a writer would um, would uh, would see and say, oh, this is my story to tell. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting though because with you and Gordon, I feel like you do sort of gravitate to similar types of projects. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No. No, I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and, and I mean, you do, you two together say that you your vibe is like, what is it? Aggressively, Aggressively empathetic. empathetic. Yeah. And I feel like that's a similar type of thing to us being like, oh, I identify with this. I think yeah. you, yeah. Yeah. But I also think us as performers, you and you and me, we are also aggressively empathetic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's a good yeah. way of yeah. thinking of it. Yeah. Too. Neither of you are necessarily like, I mean, you both can do impressions, but neither of you are like doing an impression of a thing. Oh my or god! No, see, yeah. but this is that. I'm so glad you brought that up. I went in for one of the worst auditions of my life was for Forbidden Broadway, uh-huh. <laughs> and I was going in for the track that they were asking us to do impressions of Lupita, oh. Patty Lapone. <laughs> Uh, Julie Andrews and Liza Minnelli. That was that track. Oh, and I'm like, you couldn't possibly pick any more. <laughs> and I know that those people work on a lot of other other things too. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. And I, I like do a terrible Julie Andrews impression. But I walked in there and the guy looks at me and he's like, you look like you've got a little merman in you. Do you mm. have an Ethel Merman? Mm. And I was like, not really (laughs) so it's like people see you like they see you and they're like oh I know what you do I know exactly what you do right and that's where type comes in and that's why I'm like type is such it's such crap yeah I think so interesting yeah with you I don't like once you said it I was like oh yeah I can totally see that but to me I so strongly associate your voice with you that to me that is just like a type that is like the alley <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Can we get that out there? Can that be? <laughs> well, that is the thing is I do think you're so singular because just because you're so amazing. But it's it's very tricky though. And I actually it's think that's tr- tricky, tricky navigating navigating a business where there There's are these archetypes. There's nothing to compare me to. Yeah. I There's have like heard nothing. people say though I feel like 
like like an Ali Benino type. I feel like I have heard. Invoked. Really? Yeah, truly. Who are these people? <laughs> I don't know. I just I feel like I've heard that. You guys said. can call me at any time. My number is eight six zero. No, I've gotten um, the nicest comparison anyone's ever said is that. I was singing something. They're like, "You sounded like Jesse Mueller at one point." And I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> thank you so much." But That's yeah, interesting, though, know. because I think Jesse Mueller, like vocally, is kind of a chameleon. Oh, she's incredible. Yeah, she is. She is a singular goddess yeah. among us mere mortals. <laughs> I, I, sh- I bow down at her feet. Whatever she needs, she can have it. What do you need, Jesse? <laughs> you just let us know. I'm always ambivalent about comparisons because, on one hand. When I'm compared to something that I love, I'm like, ooh, good, I sound like something I love. But then immediately I'm like, oh, did I just rip off someone I love? Yeah. Well, it's so interesting, too, because we're so plugged in right now as we're talking on a podcast. Um, But we're so plugged in, and I feel like everyone is so hungry to imitate or mimic something else. And I've always been of the mind that, like, you're the only one of you that exists. Yeah. So... Why would you try to be a, not a mediocre? Because sometimes you can, you know, do what other people do. But why would you spend so much time trying to mimic someone else when, like, if you just directed all of that energy into being the fiercest you, why wouldn't you do that? That, to me, is so much more exciting than, like, trying to get the exact riff at the end of Let It Go. Like, just <laughs> do your own thing. Be you yeah. and have someone else be like, oh, that's incredible. That doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. That's exciting to me. Yeah, and I think that's why you have gravitated so much to new work. It's because yeah. that's a place where you can do that. And, like, your own unique perspective is really valued. It's very fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so weird how it all happened. <laughs> it's so very weird. I mean, for me, I sort of just fell into it too I mean it was something I always loved but I I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast already but like <laughs> I didn't um I didn't understand that that was a path for an actor could take until I, I got either. to the city yeah I didn't either I mean like you you always heard like oh so-and-so is working on a new thing or such and such is yeah. doing this and it only kind of hit me a couple months ago that like I'm in those rooms that's yeah. crazy yeah that's crazy and it was a very because for a long time I was like man, I want to be in these rooms where new work is happening and I want to do this f- fun new material. And then like three months ago, I was like, I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm in that room. Yeah. I'm in those rooms. And it's, it's a tricky room to get into. Mm-hmm. I don't think it happens overnight. Um, and there are some readings that happen where they have like a huge audition process. But right. I think for a lot of times, it's who you know, yeah. which is a t- huge part of this business. Um, and again, I've just been super fortunate to have met people who are working on stuff and are surrounded by other people working on stuff. So it's just like this wonderful creative little hub. Well, another thing for being in those rooms, which is going to lead to a question, is like <laughs> it is helpful if you learn super, super quickly, which seems to be you, a skill you've had since I've known you. <laughs> how much did that just sort of like come naturally to you, like the voice, and how much was it like – a const- like a course of study that you decided to undertake. Yeah, um, I mean, I took piano when I was younger. Um, my dad taught me how to play guitar, so I know I know how to read music, which sounds like a, a thing that mo- you would think most people would know how to do. But I feel like it's a dying breed of people who know how to read music, so that's a huge help. Um, but it's really just kind of sink or swim. You either you adapt or 
die. Like, <laughs> truly, truly, when you have 29 hours to learn something, um, you have 29 hours to learn something. And you have to do the work. You have to focus and look at it. And I don't know. I always take it, I take it very seriously, which I know it sounds silly, but, like, you have to take it seriously. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's always, I don't want to say easy, but I definitely know that I pick up music a little quicker. Um, but I think it's just going back to a really strong work ethic and um, knowing how to read music. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big part of it. That's a, that's a very big part of it. And it is a different, I think it's interesting with expectations that like some people will their ex, like expectation for themselves as a as a performer is I'm going to come in on you know day one or day two or whatever it is you know self sufficiently ready to roll mm. and I think you can have a career where every experience you've had is there's enough time to spend many hours in the mm-hmm. room and those are like the teaching time and that's mm-hmm. where you learn yeah it's funny I have this like it happens the night before every every new reading where I have this thought and I'm like oh my god I don't know this music yet. And then I'm like, yeah, of course you don't know this music yet. You haven't learned it yet. <laughs> like, why are you stressing out about something you haven't learned yet? Um, but it's, I, I don't know. And I've also been very lucky to work with some incredible music directors who, like, a, mu- a good music director can make or break a reading totally. for sure. Um, like, right now I'm working with Matt Castle he's on the Medusa musical. Amazing. He is He's, he's a so wizard. He is a wizard. The way that he just approaches a yeah. score. He knows he's exactly how to teach each individual person each the individual way that they need person. to learn. Oh, and I love that. in doing that, it sounds like it would take more time. It cuts the time. Exactly. But it, I, I, I don't even know how much time you save with him in the room. Yeah. And he's also an incredible human being mm-hmm. and a lovely, lovely person. Do you think, does he... Does he work with people repeatedly and that's how he knows? Or does he diagnose no. their type no. and then yeah. I don't think do so. I Intuitive. Because like, wow. the yeah. first time I worked with him, he knew exactly how to. Me well, too. Honestly, though, <laughs> this is a funny story. The first time I worked with him, I complete, it was a 29-hour reading and I completely lost my voice no. after the first day. <gasps> and it was, you know, five days, Monday to Friday. And um, But he sensed that, like, I knew what I was doing musically. And so I would show up to I I wasn't sick in any way. I just, like, like lost my voice and it was fully or you know it was like 90 percent back by the presentation so it was fine Mm -hmm. but I came in and I was like I don't actually need your help learning the music but like in order to convey to you that like I'm where I am at musically like I can whistle along and he was like (laughs) cool and like once he saw that like I could do that like the first song he was just like cool to let me do my own thing (laughs) yeah whereas like someone else would have been like um I don't know if he'll be able to do it but he was just like yeah, I understand what's happening here, and yeah. this is going to work. Because I think he also g- he gives over to the thing of, like, you have to just fully commit to it. Mm-hmm. Which I think that's what it all comes back to, just, like, yeah. fully committing Commit to it. To he bet. is amazing. Yeah. I love him. I want to work with him forever and yeah. always. <laughs> He's so great. Yeah. So that helps, too. Like, having someone at the helm who yeah. can really steer that ship. Yeah. Yeah. It's so diff- yeah. It's interesting working with different music directors and like there's so much that they control. The like, you know, the performance, the teaching, the van leading, the vibe in the mm-hmm. room. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and what I love about Matt. Too. It's like he's just 
I don't know, he's so good about yeah. keeping that energy up and it's always a fun room, but yeah. focused. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Fun and focused. That's fun what and makes focused. a musical. There it is. Fun and focused, the Matt Castle story. <laughs> Coming to Lifetime Movie Network. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I'm going to have to tell him we're talking about him right now. I know. I was like, <laughs> please do, you do and like, tell him I say hi. I will. <laughs> I will. We're seeing him tomorrow, hi, obviously, thanks. for the reading. Um, this is a question. Okay, I have a question for you. Okay, what's and your it, question, Sam? I, <laughs> it's, I'm not sure it'll make sense, um, but I've been wanting to ask pretty much everyone we've had. I know. And so if it's going to, do you? Well, maybe, maybe it's good. It might crash and burn and that's fine. Okay. But I feel comfortable crashing and burning with you. (laughs) Okay. But like, (laughs) I'm just kind of curious, like, um, when you, Oh my God, I totally just blanked. This is crashing and burning. (laughs) Okay. So when, like my question is sort of like, do you, is there something you can point to as like, um, watershed moment or like a the most important thing that's happened in your career but that like isn't on your resume do you know what I mean like that like isn't like visible to the outside world but like within you felt like this big oh yeah page like turning point or not what I thought you were gonna ask (laughs) oh yeah I'm trying to think what did you think I was gonna ask (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think um Not to keep it about the new works, I think just the sheer volume of new works I've been involved uh-huh. with. Um, I have a couple on my resume, but I think if you could see the sheer volume, that uh-huh. would be a mm-hmm. big watershed moment. Um, How do you mean? I don't know. Just the fact that like I'm I'm doing I am doing stuff. Yeah. You know? Do you want to guess how many how many new works how many new musicals do you think you've been involved in in some way? Oh God. At least thirty. At I would I would guess it's higher. Really? I mean, like at least like minimum thirty. Yeah. Probably much higher than that. Um, but like a watershed moment. Oh God. Oh man. Yeah, it's a tricky question. I think you know what? Okay, it is on my resume. Um, but doing myths and hymns uh-huh. was a really big moment for me it was my first show out of college Mm -hmm. and it was with some people like Linda Balgord um Anika Larson was in it uh Bob Stillman and it was just like it was a moment where I was doing theater outside of school and the piece was stunning it was so beautifully directed by Elizabeth Lucas um Lucas Steele was in it too um and my buddy Matt Farcher and Donnell James Foreman. And it was just like a moment where I was like, I'm in, I'm doing theater in New York. And it's not, it's an actual production, mm-hmm. not a reading. There's no stand. <laughs> um, in a really, like we did it in like the loft of a church that they converted into a theater. It was just that, I think that for me was a moment where, I don't know, I was like, I, I could do this. Yeah. I can do this. Also yeah. within the longevity, like that ran a little while, right? It did. It was it was for sure the longest the longest show I ever did in New York to that point. At that point. Um nice. it was like a was it like a two month long run or something? Sounds right. It was something long. You were yeah. so good in it. And what about it was like um 
what about it felt so important? This is going to sound really vapid, but I <laughs> love you guys. <laughs> so I'm going to say it. Um, we were the cover of the New York Times art section. Uh-huh. There was a picture of the show, uh-huh. and I was in that picture. And there were only three of us, three or four of us from the cast, and like I was in that picture. And people from home in Connecticut saw it, yeah. and they were like, you're on the cover of the... And it was like such a silly moment. But, but like incredibly validating. It was a very validating moment, as vapid as that sounds. Um, yeah, that was the first time that I was like, wow, I'm on a thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was like, that was a very cool moment. Cool. For like 21 year old me. Yeah. That was a big moment. Sam, have we made you answer this question? Um, no, we haven't. I mean, cause this is the first time I've asked it. Well, great. What but I, I do, I like, I have an answer, I think. I like don't know. For, I, the question in, I think I'm just like not able to articulate it the way that I mean it. It's but a like, big question. Yeah, it's like, a big but question. I definitely have a, a thing that I can point to as sort of like a big turning point for me, which was, um, so I was talking earlier about how I sort of fell into the new works world, and I I actually kind of like forced my way in mm-hmm. because um, when I first moved to the city, I started this concert series with a friend of mine from a summer program I had done during college where we just decided every month we were going to ask a different, um, you know, quote unquote, up and coming composer to let us do a concert of their songs. Like not knowing that like so many composers like to have a little more artistic control than that, (laughs) than to just like give their new work Mm -hmm. over to these random kids that are just like, we like your stuff. Can we sing it? Like, (laughs) because we didn't know any better, you know? So we, um, in, this was in 2010, um, from, from uh, June to December of 2010, we did seven of these concerts. Wow. And so I sort of like hap- like, ha- like forced my way into relationships with these seven um, writers or writing teams. Good and, for you. Um, but, you know, um, not all of them turned into like fruitful, long-lasting sure. collaborations. I mean, I loved, I loved uh, and, you know, some of them were more and less in- involved in the concert itself. Um, but uh, about... Um, let's see. So we did the concert with Adam Guan in November, or October or November of 2010. And then in May of 2012, I got an email from out of the blue being like, hey, I'm doing a reading, uh, the first reading of my show String. Um, could Would you want to be in this workshop, this 29 hour reading? And up until that point, I hadn't like been invited mm-hmm. into huh. this world in any way. I had I had gotten my equity card in the meantime doing a theater works tour, but um, mm-hmm. that felt like a very different thing. And like coming back, it didn't feel like it had it. Like I, I loved having my equity card and I loved having that experience, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like it furthered my career in any way. Where like it didn't feel like I had created any new connections because I was out of the city for six months and. Um, uh, him asking me to do that reading, I met a bunch of people who then asked me to work on their things. And then um, people seeing those projects then asking me to be in further projects. And I really can point to that one time of him asking me to do that reading and also him asking me to do a 54 Below concert um, sometime within that year later um, as like this complete turning point for me of like, oh, now 
I'm like creating these relationships and like things are building on things. Whereas before it was sort of felt like I did this and then I did that and then I did that and none of them have any relation to each other. Mm -hmm. Now it feels like everything is sort of um, on a, on a path that like makes sense from like one thing going to the next. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Yeah. That's how it happens though. Yeah. It's, it's that one person, that one moment that kind of kickstarts everything else. Yeah. And I think actually myths and hymns happen because someone saw me in something I sang of yours. Oh. It all comes back to you, Julia. Yes. Uh, that makes me it feel all comes so back to important. <laughs> yes, you should feel important. You are important. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird yeah. business. I'm just I'm just like fascinated by like connecting those dots and um and but also just like cuz like you know it's not on my resume that like oh this thing happened and then that's why all of these things are on my resume but like mm-hmm. i'm just curious hearing from other people like if they are able to pinpoint those kinds of moments or yeah. you know what i mean it's yeah. interesting too because i don't think when they're happening you i don't think you realize that oh, of course that moment yeah until a lot of time passes and yeah. you can reflect on like how exactly did we ping pong yeah. ourselves i'm six years there. out from that point at this point yeah <laughs> and it's only when you get to that point where you can look back and kind of assess everything that's happened yeah yeah everything's traceable receipts for everything mm. <laughs> resume is one long one long receipt yeah yeah and so do you feel that way now like everything's sort of like building on itself into something else i think i think so um i also i've I made a decision this year this is going to be the year of like self work too like Mm. if no work is happening I'm gonna like do something myself be it a concert or I don't know like performing a song somewhere Mm. um which you've done before which I've done before so it's like um I'm just trying to keep there's a momentum happening and it's an exciting momentum and I just want to keep that rock a rolling nice I guess I was the thing that jumped into my brain was we're excited to see what you roll into. Thank you. I like it though. But yeah. I am very excited for this year in Ali Benino. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, who knows? It's it's going well this week and the next week. You know, I'm gonna pack my bags and move to like Albuquerque. Who mm. knows? Mm-hmm. That's just Talk how this business works. There are really high highs and low lows, and yeah. You know. Do you have like a like a game plan or like philosophy when you think about the ups and downs of the business, or do you is it more like Ooh. take it as it comes? I think it's a take it as it comes. Yeah. I I've never been a fan of the five year ten year plan. Right. Um, it just I feel like it. it I, I understand why they exist. I understand why a lot of people gravitate towards them. Um, I've always been of the mind that if like if your goal is something super specific, you're shutting yourself down for all possible opportunities. Um, which is not to say that like you can't take those other opportunities and still work towards that goal. But you're not the same person that you were five years ago, mm-hmm. ten years ago. So the goal that, you know, twenty year old me might have set for twenty five year old me, thirty year old me, forty year old me, like I, I'm not that person. If that makes sense, so yeah. I'm gonna take it as it. I'm gonna take it as it comes, and 
nobody, nobody said this is an easy business. No one was ever like, you're going to have a great time. It's going to be a breeze. You're going to walk through it. It's hard. And we know that going into it. And there's a level of reality that you have to have. Like, there are those people who a month out of college book that show and their career is just off and running. And that's fantastic. I'm so happy for you. Truly, I am. That's, that's, that's the dream. But for me, that's not, my, <laughs> that's not my path. And I could be really upset by it. I could be like, why am I not doing this or that? But I'm just so grateful to be doing what I am doing and to be meeting and working with the people that I'm meeting and working with. And you just got to gotta take the good and feed off of that for a little while. And then when the dark days come, just remember why you do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And there's always Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> it's so now remarkable. Now we Albuquerque anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's so remarkable the way that um, uh, these conversations are sort of like informing each other. I know. Like um, a lot of what you said is like has been reinforced by what other people have said on yeah. this podcast. And um, so – I'm curious, like, as as you say, like, our goals are evolving, like, where do you stand with that right now? Like, what's your current definition of, or what's your current, like, goal of right. your for your career? I think a, a, a very good realistic goal is to just keep, keep working on new stuff, keep meeting new people, keep performing, even if it is, like, one song at a concert, one song here and there. Um, because I got asked once, there was this really strange um, interview thing that happened through Pace. Like this Australian writer contacted Pace and like wanted to follow a student currently in school, a student who had just graduated and a student who'd been out for like a while. Mm-hmm. And I was the just graduated. And like, I don't know what happened with that. I never saw the finished article, but she asked me like what my, ver- what my idea of like success is. And it really kind of took me aback because I don't, I don't really know what success, I don't know what success means. I think there is an idea of what it means. And for a lot of people, like success is like opening night of Broadway, you're up on stage, which I totally dig. Um, I think for me, success is finding fulfillment in what I'm, what I'm doing. Because again, like I have a lot of friends who have had that Broadway moment who are like miserable in the mm. process of it. Mm. And it like totally wasn't what they were expecting. Um, likewise, I've also had friends who've had that experience and it was like the highlight of their life. So I think it just comes from an inner moment of being content with where you are right yeah. now. Cause that's all you can control. You know, that's all you can control. And being the most prepared and as on it as you can be, I guess, everything else is out of your control. Hmm. So my goal is to just keep doing the best that I can and keep pushing through and hopefully it'll all work out in the end. <laughs> that's know? a good note to end on. I yeah. think that's a good goal. And I also think it will all work out for you because, well, I'm because sure it you're will. so amazing. Well, if not, we'll all have a tiny house in Albuquerque. Wonderful. It could be pretty large even maybe.